So for our sermon, we're going to be picking up in our series where we left off. You may remember we're still in this series uh, of lessons for the American church. That's what we've been looking at, sort of looking at the American church and recognizing, yes, we have our strengths, but also as with any church anywhere in the world, uh, we have our areas of weakness and sort of looking at that and saying, well, what are some areas in which the American church can certainly stand to grow? So that's what we're going to be taking a look at today. And actually, we're going to finish off this series today. And specifically, what we're going to be looking at is the matter of caring for those who are in need. Uh, And certainly as we think about this, often we think of sort of financial need, but I don't want us to think of it sort of exclusively in that sense. People can have other sorts of needs. You could have someone who uh, is just lonely, someone who's elderly, homebound, and lonely, and their need is just for someone to keep them company. Uh, People can have all sorts of needs. And we recognize that we in the church are called to care for the needy. We see it really time and time again throughout Scripture. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. And I would say that here in the U.S., in the church here, this is probably an area where we could stand to grow quite a bit. You might naturally think, especially as we think of caring for those in need, that often we sort of think in in sort of financial terms, because that's certainly a big one. People who have some sort of financial need and and caring for their need and giving to the needy in that regard. We might think, well, oh, here in the U.S., we're affluent. We're certainly one of the wealthiest countries. We have a lot. Uh, We've been blessed in that way. And so we might naturally think, well, surely then, you know, compared to the church in other places, we would be the church that would do well in this regard. We would do a great job in regard to caring for the needy because we have such an abundance of possessions. But I would say, sadly, that's not the case. Um, I I don't want to minimize the ways in which we do care for the needy. I think, you know, if we look at the U.S., it's not that we fail so utterly miserably and we do nothing to care for the needy. I think there are lots of Christians who, you know, give to children in need through compassion or world vision. Uh, There are certainly ministries that care for the needy in the U.S., and the church does participate in that. I I don't want to minimize those things and act like we do nothing to care for the needy. But I think if we recognize just how much we've been blessed financially, and again, not that caring for the needy is just financial. That's just certainly a central way in which we're to care for the needy, right? If we recognize just how much we've been blessed in that way, sort of with that in view, I'd say the extent to which we care for those in need from a financial perspective, at least, is all too small, right? Relative to the amount that we have been blessed, the amount that we give to the needy, the amount of caring that we do in that way, I'd say, is all too small, And I think if we sort of compare ourselves to uh, the church in other parts of the world, I'd say that it is very much a part of churches in, in particularly think of the third world, not just sort of like Europe versus the U.S., but particularly as we think of sort of more impoverished parts of the world, sort of third world countries, I'd say uh, caring for the needy is very much, just very naturally a part of what the church does and lives out day in and day out, even though they have so little Even out of the very little that they have, they care for the needy around them. That's just sort of very naturally what what flows out of the faith that they have. They have saving faith in Christ, and and they recognize that God God has called them to love others and care for others, especially for those in need, to have a heart for them, and just sort of the very natural response is to to do that and to care for the needy. Uh, I, I sort of think of this even from a personal experience side of things. So many of the churches, I almost want to say, though probably it's a little bit too too strong to say, I'd almost want to say every church from an international perspective that I've had something to do with, whether uh, ministering at other churches at different times or my time in Florida or or missions trips that I've been on or, or whatever it might be, almost all of my interactions with churches in third world countries, almost all of them are 
involved in caring for children or some sort of other ministry where they have an orphanage that's a part of the church or some other great way in which they're really engaging with the community around them and caring for those who have real significant serious needs, particularly financial needs. And again, I'd say almost all the time, and in fact, I even use the the example of Richard's dad and the ministry that he's involved in there, pastoring churches, planting churches. But again, what sort of naturally comes with the territory is you're in these third world countries and you see children on the streets and children in need. So often what pops up is part of church ministries having an orphanage and caring for those children. And so I'd say it's almost all the time. That's probably a little too strong to say, but so frequently in these third world countries attached to the church, associated with the church, is some sort of orphanage or other very significant ministry caring for those who have really great needs. Even though they have very little themselves, it's just sort of very naturally what they do as a part of their faith, living out, caring for those who are needy. And so even out of their very little, they give abundantly, whereas they think all too often here in the U.S., even though we have a great abundance of possessions, we give all too often in small ways. And so I'd say this is an area where we can certainly stand to grow, and I want to take a look at, of course, well, what does Scripture say on the matter of caring for those in need? And I want to start by opening up our Bibles to Acts. You can certainly flip there yourselves as well and read along with me. Chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. And I want to read these passages just to show, in a sense, what sort of that very first church there, right? Think of the, the beginnings of the church, right? Right there in Jerusalem. How did they live out their lives as followers of Christ? And particularly, of course, as we're talking about caring for those in need, how did they live that out? And we see this here in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. So I'll read it for us. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Right? This isn't just sort of some sort of small way of giving. You know, you see someone who's in need and what do you do? You know, you reach into your pocket and, you know, what sort of change do I have or small bills and it doesn't really have any sort of great impact on that person's life. No, this is very radical giving, right? It says they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This is very radical giving out of what God had entrusted to their care, the material possessions that God had blessed them with. It isn't just sort of some small giving. This is very great radical giving, even at significant cost to oneself. They were selling their possessions. They saw their brother in need. And certainly this has to do with giving within the church, caring for those within the church who had a need. But it's not that we should limit it to that. We certainly recognize the calling on us as Christians to give to those even outside the church who have some sort of need, whether it be financial or or otherwise. But here, what's being focused on, of course, is within the church. But what we see is, as they see their, in this case, brother or sister in Christ in some sort of situation of need, again, here, particularly talking about financial need, the response is just in love, because they care for their brother or sister in Christ dearly, in love to say, hey, well, God's blessed me, and he's given to me abundantly, so I should be a blessing to you. God has called me to love you. God has called me to care for you. In this case, again, my brother or sister in Christ, and so what's my response going to be but to give, to help you, to be a support to you, and not just to give in some sort of small way that doesn't have any real great impact, but to say, no, I'm going to give uh, abundantly and in a radical way. And that's really what the early church lived out. I think if we're honest, right, if we were to look at the average American church and say, well, is this what the average American church looks like, right? 
If you were to read this, would you say, oh yeah, that describes the American church. All who, uh, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Right? If I look at the American church, I'd say that, that, that wouldn't describe us, not even remotely. I think all too often in the American church, it's sort of like, you know, you're on your own. If you have financial troubles, the church might help in some sort of small way, but sort of every man for himself. And, and tragically, that is the way it is in the American church. But I'd say it's not God's intent. God's intent for the church and how the church is to live. And again, not just that we should be giving to those in need within the church. We should be doing it uh, for those outside the church. But especially within the church, this should be the way things operate. When someone has some sort of need for others to be coming alongside and saying, you know, I'll give to you. I'll help you in your hour of need. And not just in small ways, but in big and grand ways and radical ways. But again, it's not just that we see this in Acts chapter 2, and and that's all. This is the only time the Bible talks about caring for those in need. But of course, we see it all over the place. And I want to jump to 1 John. Again, you can flip there if you'd like. Chapter 3, 1 John 3, verses 17 and 18. I'll give you a moment to flip there. But here's what John has to say on the matter. Of course, not just John, but God himself speaking through John. Here's what it says. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need... Again, here it's emphasizing and specifically talking about relationships within the church. But it's not just that we should speak of those exclusively. But of course, John would have in mind that, oh, it's not just caring for your brother in need, but we should care for all of our fellow man in need, but how much more so our brother or sister in Christ. So he says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Right? To put it simply here, right, here's the situation, right? You, 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 know, you're, you claim at least to be a follower of Christ. You see your brother, your sister in some, some sort of need, and, and right, you have the ability to help out in this situation. That's the situation that John's talking about here. And your response is basically to say, you know, I don't really care. I don't have some great love for you. Uh, I'm not really going to do anything to help you in your hour of need. And what does John say? For that person, that person at least who claims to be a follower of Christ, he says, right, in a sense, it's like, how can it be that God's love abides in that person? And here it's the love of God. One could interpret it in the sense of love of God, in the sense of love for God, but probably a better way of interpreting love of God in this verse is in the sense of having a God-like love, a love that is like the love that God himself has, that we as, as followers of God ought to reflect his character and reflect his love. And so what John is saying, for this person who sees his brother in need and closes his heart to him, right, and, and does nothing to help him out, He said, basically, how can a love like God's own love abide in that person? And if we interpret this in light of all of 1 John, really we realize that implicitly in a sense, uh, and John certainly intended this, right? Implicitly what's being said here is, and by the way, if if you don't have a love like God's within your own heart, then John would say, then I'm really going to question whether you even really belong to the Lord, right? Because here's sort of what John is saying here, not that, oh, we're saved by having certain character qualities or whatnot. It's not that we earn our way in by any means. But, but what John's saying is anyone who has true saving faith in God, who truly has a repentant heart, a love for God, saving faith in Him, there's going to be a transformation at that moment of conversion in that person's heart. 
right? There's going to be a transformation that takes place in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that transformation is going to result in what? But, but a love, right? Just as God is a God of love, that, that character is going to be built up and cultivated by the Holy Spirit as that transformation takes place in the life of that believer. And so if someone is truly a follower of God, then there ought to be love that is like God's own love in their heart. That is just sort of naturally what results in that transformation that takes place uh, when we come to faith in Christ. And so what John's saying is, if you don't have any love, any God-like love in your heart, well then, have you really been transformed by the Holy Spirit? Do you really belong to God? Do you really have true saving faith in Him? And so these are awfully strong words uh, on the part of John. Basically saying, hey, if you claim to follow Christ, and you see your brother in need, and you're able to help him, but you do nothing, in a sense he's saying, are you really a follower of God? That doesn't look like what a follower of God would do. It doesn't seem like you have in your heart what a follower of God would have in his heart. Uh, So those are awfully strong words. right? John takes very seriously, of course, this command to care for those in need. And I want to look as well, it's not just that we see this in the New Testament, this, this matter of caring for the needy, but we see it certainly all over in the Old Testament as well. It just sort of runs throughout Scripture. It's all over the place. And so I want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 11. And here's what it says. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother. Notice it's not, you know, you should open your hand just a teeny bit and give him sort of a little extra pocket change, but, you know, not in any great or generous way. No, he says, therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. Right? Going all the way back to Deuteronomy, this is just what God expected of his people. It's, it's always what he has expected of his people. He's had a heart for the least of these, for the poor, for the disenfranchised. God has always had a, a heart for his people generally, for mankind generally, but he has an extra special heart for the least of these. And so he has always called his people, going back to the Old Testament, Israel, today we think of the church as well. He has always called his people to have a heart for the lost, uh, for the needy, that is, uh, to have a heart for the needy, those who have financial need, other needs. He's always called his people to have a heart for them and to give generously. Again, not just a little bit, but generously. You shall open your hand, right? Open wide your hand, not just sort of a little small heart to do a little bit, just to help out a teeny bit, but no, to really have such a heart for our fellow Man, fellow brother and sister in Christ, or fellow man, even if they're not a believer, to have such a heart, to have such a love that sort of the very natural response when we see them in some sort of need, financial, otherwise, is just to say in love, I want to care for you. I want to meet that need. I want to give to you generously if that's what you need, or care for you in some other way generously, uh, even at cost to myself, because I love you. That's just very much the natural response that God's people ought to show, uh, and it's what he has always called his people to live out. And again, we see this all over the place. And I want to turn to James. This is certainly a a well-known, well-loved verse. James chapter 1, verse 27. And here's what it says. I'll read it for us. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. 
Right? Basically, what, what's James saying here is, is he says, you want to know what, what a pure, undefiled religion looks like, right? What ought, to it, what ought it to exhibit? What should it look like as we're sort of living out a pure and undefiled Christian faith? What, what should it look like? And part of it, as he says here, is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And I know he goes on and say, and to keep oneself unstained from, from the world, but we're looking at sort of the caring for the needy, right? And basically, in a sense, that's what James is saying. This is sort of what uh, our faith ought to look like. If we want to say, well, what should we be living out? What should our pure, undefiled religion, Christian faith look like as we're living it out? Well, caring for the needy, whether that's orphans, whether that's widows, caring for them in their time and hour of need, whether it be someone else, that is just what we should be naturally living out is what our, our faith should look like as we're living it out day in and day out. And in fact, Proverbs has quite a bit to say on the matter of caring for those who are in need. And so I want to take a look at a couple passages from Proverbs. And we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 19 first, looking at verse 17. And then we'll flip to chapter 21. But for now we're in 19, looking at verse 17. And here's what it says. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Right? What, what's being said here? Right, of course, reaffirming God's heart for the poor and that, that, of course, his people ought to be caring for the poor. But it's saying that the one who is kind to the poor, who has a heart for the poor, who gives to the poor, right, recognizing their, their need and out of a love for them, gives generously so, uh, what it says is really two things. One is that, in a sense, it's actually not just an act of service and care and love for that poor person, but in a sense, it's also an act of service rendered unto God. As well, because uh, as we do this, in a sense, part of our mindset should be not just, oh, I'm doing this in service to this poor person and to help that person in his time of need. That should be part of it. But also recognizing that this is what God has called us to, right? And in a sense, doing it not just to serve the poor person, but doing it in service to God. Recognizing that this is a commandment that God has given to us and wanting to honor and serve God and care for those whom God cares for. In a sense, it's not just an act of service to the person, but in fact, it's also an act of service that's being rendered to God as well. But it says something else, too. Not only that it's also, in a sense, not just an act of generosity to the poor, but an act of service to God. But also it says, what? That there's a reward in store for that person. For the person who generously cares for the poor and meets those, those needs, well, what's in store for that person? It says, well, God will surely reward them for what they have done, right? There's blessing in store when we recognize that we are called to help the needy, when we step up to the plate and say, Lord, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that in service to you, but I'm also going to do it to be a blessing to that person who, who has some sort of need. And when we step up to the plate and we faithfully do that, well, what's the result? We're told that we will receive a reward. We'll receive blessing. But in a sense, if we look at, at chapter 21 in Proverbs, we're going to see, in a sense, the flip side of things. Well, what if we uh, aren't faithful to this command? We recognize that we're to care for the needy. Well, what if we don't follow through? What if we fall short and we're unfaithful in that regard? Well, what's the result there? And Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13, speaks to that. And here's what it says. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Right? In a sense, 
right? Think of the situation. You have someone who's poor and has a, a, a cry out, right? This cries out for, for help and support, whatever that need is. The poor person who, who struggles financially and is crying out for help. If you close your ear to that cry and say, yeah, I hear you. I see your need, but I'm not concerned by it. I don't really have a heart for you. I don't want to give of myself to meet your need. And so in a sense, you just sort of ignore that cry for help. What does God say? Well, hey, basically, when your hour comes, when you wind up in some sort of situation of need, and you call out and you cry out, basically, I'm not going to be there to answer you and help you in your hour of need. Or in a sense, if you just want to put it simply, basically, for the one who fails to help the poor, help them in their time of need, who basically just doesn't care, doesn't have a heart for them, and doesn't give to the poor, basically God says there will be consequences, there will be punishment. So if we help the poor, if we're faithful to the Lord in that regard, and we help those who are needy, well, God says they'll be blessed. Well, on the flip side, though, if we fail to help the needy in their time of need, well, God says there will be consequences for our unfaithfulness to this command of his. And again, I'd say that this is something, this matter of, of caring for the needy. Certainly, it's, it's all throughout Scripture. I could have picked more verses than just this. We could spend all day looking at every verse. It's just all over the place. God has such a heart for the poor, for the needy. And he wants to see his people reaching out in love, caring for them, and not just in small ways, but in big ways, in grand ways. As, as we saw in Acts chapter 2, as the church was living that out, even to the extent of selling their possessions, their belongings, to help those who had need. God desires to see that lived out. But I'd say that as the American church, I think often we're guilty of sort of caring in very teeny small ways. You know, we see somebody who's homeless and they're on the street and they're begging. And, and I understand the difficulties of you don't want to go over and just drop $1,000 in his cup and who knows where that money goes and does it go toward drugs, does it go towards alcohol. I understand all those, those issues, but I think oftentimes we use that as an excuse to sort of sit by and, and do nothing to help that person in that person's hour of need. But I'd say even if we do help, right, we help in small ways, but I'd say oftentimes too, we just drive on by, we're unconcerned, right? It doesn't really tug at our hearts all that much. We have things we need to get done for the day, so we're not going to take the time to sort of push the pause button on our own day, our own agenda, and take the time to care for that person who's in need, that homeless person, right, on the street begging for money. Or if we do, again, we reach into our pockets, we pull out some change or a one or a five or a ten, as if that's going to do anything of real significance in today's day and age. What can you buy with that small amount of money? The answer is pretty much nothing, right? And in a sense, we we sort of do small things, and maybe we do it so that we don't feel guilty like we've done nothing. But when push comes to shove, we haven't really done anything to truly and in a profound way care for that person in his time of need. And I think we're, we're guilty of doing that all too often. I'm guilty of doing it at times. And we do live in a world, even if we, you know, we might be sheltered here a little bit in Westboro for those of us who live in Westboro, and it's pretty affluent, and maybe we don't see the needs, at least from a financial perspective. We don't see uh, the poor every day all around us, but you don't have to go too far to see it. Uh, And it is there, and it is present in our country, and I think we're all too content to sort of be oblivious to it, to not be confronted with it day in and day out, to not want to... Uh, be confronted with sort of the hurts and the needs all around us and and just to go about our days sort of focused on ourselves, our own needs, our own agenda, our own family. Uh, And certainly we we do need to care for ourselves. We do need to care for our families, but that doesn't excuse being 
in a sense, apathetic toward other people and their needs and their hurts. Uh, And so I think this is an area where really the American church needs to grow an awful lot. We've been blessed in abundant ways. And again, caring for needs and meeting needs, it's not just financial, but that's a big one. Uh, But I think we have become a culture, and it's filtered into the church as well, that has become very self-centered. We're focused on ourselves. We don't see the people around us. We don't have a heart for them. Uh, And as the church, it ought to be different. We ought to be people who really have a heart for others around us, especially having a heart for the needy and and just overflowing in love for them, overflowing with a, a desire to meet those needs and to help those people in whatever way we can. And I want to share a little bit of a story here from my experience. Uh, this goes back a number of years. Uh, I'm not going to tout myself in this. It's someone else. Um, but this goes back to my time when I was a uh, pastor of outreach at a church in Florida, in South Florida. Uh, and I was involved with, I actually led a, a ministry that went to a place called uh, Broward Outreach Center. It was a, a rehab program for both drug addiction, but also homelessness as well. So it sort of tackled both of those issues. Uh, and, and the ministry that I oversaw, we went there uh, every Sunday. We put on a full worship service for the people that, that were there. And it was a pretty big group that would show up. Uh, not only that, but, but every week we had classes that we taught uh, that were all about scripture and, and, and also taught some core values as well that, for the people to, to, to really grow in their lives as well and to help them in, in the recovery process. But it was all based on scripture and the gospel and, and it was a great ministry, a great thing that we were able to do. Uh, and we had a team of people, of course, that were involved in this ministry. Uh, and one person who was involved was, her name was Lisa. Um, we actually had a couple Lisas involved in the ministry, but this was one of them. Uh, and she had gotten pretty close with one of the women there. There were women and men who were a part of, of this program. It was a residential program where you sort of lived on their, their compound there and whatnot and went through all the classes and the rehab and all of that. And she had become close with, with this, this woman, and, and ultimately this woman came to faith in Christ while, while they are a part of this program. Uh, and it was coming near to the time that, that she was going to be released. It's a certain length of time, this, this residency at Broward Outreach Center at this program, and then since you go off, you're on your own, you're supposed to get a job. Maybe you've even already gotten one, but she hadn't at this point. Um, and right, what was Lisa's response to all of this? She'd grown close to this person, wanted to be able to support this person and help them in, in sort of this new stage of life as she was trying to get her life back on track and, and get a job and live for the Lord, live out her newfound faith. Right? I think all too often our, our response would be to do little teeny small things. That's sort of what we do in the American church. You know, We make ourselves feel good like we did something, but we do very little in reality. But that wasn't the case for Lisa. She felt God really laying it on her heart to invite this person to come and live in her home. And we might think, you know, I wouldn't say go and do that without any great thought. You know, you have to think of, uh, well, do you have family living in the home? Could it be a bad influence on any kids? Now, her kids were off. They had gone off to college. They were, she was an empty nester. Uh, you know, this wasn't a man where there might be safety issues and so forth. So she was wise. She thought through these things, but really felt that God was, was calling her to invite this person to come and live with her. And so she did. She invited the woman, hey, once you're done with this program, you want to come with and live with me? Me and my house, my husband and I, we have you know, an empty bed. Why don't you come and join us? And she did. Now, I don't know how the story progressed. I was at that church for maybe another month or two, and then I wound up here. Uh, grateful to, to be here, of course. Um, but I don't need to know how the story ended if, if things continued on the right track. But the point is, this was someone who uh, recognized the calling 
that God has really on each and every one of us to care for the needy. And again, care for them, not in small ways of, I'll do a little favor here or a little favor there, but really in big and significant and radical ways to recognize the needs that people have and to care for them and to meet them as we're able to do so. She didn't just do some sort of small little thing, but in a big and profound way, she recognized the need and met it and helped this person in a great way. Uh, Even if it required some sort of sacrifice, a little less privacy in your home, is there risk of certain things? Could this be someone who could wind up stealing possessions if she relapses? And and she was willing to take that risk. She recognized the need, felt God calling her to go and care for this person in this person's hour of need and did so. But the reality is, I'd say, tragically for the American church, this is sort of the exceptional, wonderful story, but it's the exception to the rule. I would say we hear of these things all too infrequently, and the reality is this is the type of thing that the church, the true church, ought to be doing day in, day out, all over the place. We ought to be living this out just as part of the daily fabric of our lives where we see people, we see needs, and we just can't help but, but, but help them in love for them to, to meet those needs as we're able to. And we recognize we can't meet every need in the world. We're not capable of doing that. But as God puts people with needs in our lives, in front of us, in our daily lives, right, we ought to, as we're able, have a heart for them and, of course, meet those needs. And I really want to challenge us to do that. And I want to give us a specific challenge, not just sort of a general, well, hey, what's our application to care for the needy, of course. Uh, but I want to make it a little more specific than that. And I want to challenge us to uh, take the time to really prayerfully pick. I don't want to say just go home and on your own, using your own wisdom, go and pick somebody. But prayerfully, really spend time in prayer. And, and as God leads, pick someone in your life who you know might have some sort of need. Again, it could be financial. It could be otherwise. It could be someone who's lonely and just needs company. It could be someone who's just going through some tough stuff in life and they just need someone to be there for uh, emotional support. Right? It can be all sorts of different needs. But, but to prayerfully pick someone in your life who has some sort of need and really then just go and faithfully meet that need as you're able to and serve that person in that way serve the lord in that way but i'll give another challenge just in case that one sounds oh, that's a little too grand for me i'm not sure i'm ready to bite off that much you know a little bit of a big challenge i would say this and i've known churches that have done this and have really gotten great results and wonderful stories that have come from it i would say here's the challenge Right? Take a $100 bill, or it could be 250s, 520s, whatever, um, but $100 and give it to somebody, who, in a sense, who's sort of random. Don't give it to somebody that you would normally maybe help out. Don't give it to a, a son or a daughter or you know, a brother or whatnot. But maybe it's you know, you're driving through McDonald's, just getting a burger and a soda, and you decide that the Lord's just sort of laying it on your heart to give that $100 to that person the cashier or the person who's going to hand you your food um, and, and just be a blessing to that person. Or maybe you're out for breakfast and it's Saturday and, you know, you're just getting a small breakfast somewhere and you decide, you know, maybe I should leave that $100 tip for this person and be a blessing to that person or, or whoever it is. But sort of someone outside of your normal sphere of interactions and people who you might naturally help out in some sort of way, take $100 and go and give it to somebody, whether this week or next week, sometime soon, and see how God just uses that to be a blessing. And I'm not saying $100 is going to change that person's world. Uh, But in a sense, more than anything, it might change our world. It it, it can be used in our lives to sort of cultivate a mindset of, 
really seeing other people and their situations and their needs uh, and encouraging us as we sort of take the first step to do it, to go and meet those needs because that's what we're called to, to do as God's people. And I'm not, I'm not here trying to proclaim some sort of social gospel. I know that there's a movement in churches where they want to substitute sort of social justice issues for the true gospel. By no means do I mean that. The gospel stands. But as followers of Christ, this is just something that should be very naturally what we're living out where when we see needs, well, we love people. And so if we love them and we see a need, what are we going to do? We're just going to meet those needs. We're going to care for them and care for their needs uh, and meet them as we're able to do so. So I just want to challenge us to really faithfully live that out in service to others, to be a blessing to them, uh, to serve God and serve him faithfully, but also knowing, as we talked about in Proverbs, that part of the result will be a blessing for us from the Lord as well. So let's care for the needy. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we know that there are people all around us who have needs. As you said in Deuteronomy, there will never cease to be poor in the land. It sure is true. There are people with financial needs. There are people with all sorts of other needs as well. And all too often we're oblivious to it and and probably in honesty happy to be oblivious to it, happy to focus on ourselves. Lord, we pray that you would give us a different set of eyes, a set of eyes to see the hurts, see the needs, and not just to see them, but to have the heart to truly love those people in their time of need, and the heart to motivate us to action, to actually do something about it, to actually give Give of ourselves, give of our resources, give of our time, give of our energy. To be willing to make sacrifices in service to the needy, Lord. To meet those needs. To be a blessing to them. To show our love for them. To serve you and be obedient to you and this command that you have for us. Also knowing that the result will be blessing for us. And so we pray that we would just be a people, be a church with a heart for the needy and of people who act on that heart for the needy and truly do meet those needs. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.